Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing. This is widescreen podcasting and the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Of course, I'm your host, Sam Wiles. Thank you all for listening. I hope you're all well, safe and sound. Today, everyone, we are once again going to be discussing a metric shit ton of Macca and Beatles, whilst also trying to rein it in and stick to the topic at hand. Nothing new there, eh? But... The previous episodes of this side series have proven that digressions are particularly uh, susceptible, especially with these guests, or slash guest. Yes, everyone, this is the third part in our ongoing album artwork side series here on Paul or Nothing, where we've been chronologically going through all of Paul's solo albums, and, you guessed it, discussing the artwork and the packaging of said releases. Of course, this is, as always, a chance to talk about the albums and the music therein, which is always fun. And whilst the nerdy discussion and over-analysis of album artwork is always interesting as far as I'm concerned, it's hardly the main reason you people are tuning in right now, and it's hardly the main reason I wanted to make it in the first place. Indeed, I have had the fortune, nay, the privilege, on the last two episodes of this side series to discuss the artwork of Paul's albums from his self-titled debut right through to Red Rose Speedway with Phoebe, Talia and Diana, the three phenomenal hosts of the Another Kind of Mind podcast. I assume most of, if not all of you, will know and love Another Kind of Mind, and if so, you will know just how lucky I was not only to have them on the first two episodes, but to have both of those episodes come out so quickly. Sadly, the world seems to become an ever more real place to exist in, shall we say, and regrettably it has been nigh on impossible to get the Threetles back together, the AKOM crew, for another chinwag. So, you know, with a heavy heart, I decided that it would be best to focus on working with one of the hosts at a time to continue the series, and then hopefully, by the time I've had each of them on once, maybe things would be a little bit more back to normal, and we could get the band back together. Of course, they actually haven't signed any documentation or or even made a handshake agreement, folks, so they aren't obliged to come back on, which is why I will rely and resort to emotional blackmail such as this instead. Today, we're going to be starting our clock-in, clock-out rotor of Another Kind of Mind hosts with, drumroll please, Phoebe. Yes, Phoebe, or Phoebes to her F-R-I-E-N-D-S, is kindly going to join me today for this discussion of album artwork. Cannot wait. You will have heard her on the majority of AKOM content, including the latest episode, uh, latest episode at the time of recording, that is, where she and her guest uh, compare and contrast the A Hard Day's Night film and the documentary The Beatles' First US Visit, which I... What a fantastic episode. Go and check it out now if you haven't already. Go and check out the other two episodes we've already done together because we will be referring back to all of it 
like all three of the hosts of Another Kind of Mind, I had been keeping in contact with Phoebe, and she was the first one who I ran this kind of solo show idea, and I was nervous, really. I was expecting a genuinely negative response. Uh, I, I don't I don't know why, it's just how I felt, and Phoebe was incredibly supportive of this change, and I am I am grateful for that. I'm grateful that she found the time to to come on the show, but also just to kind of let me know that I'm not like making anyone feel left out or anything like that, because that is the last thing I want to do. If I could have it my way, folks, I would have all three of them here. I love chatting with them all. But that being said, this is just a different kind of episode, a little bit more relaxed, you know? It's less of a round table, more of a conversation. It's a one-on-one, and I am equally grateful to have had some quality time with Phoebe by myself. You know, whilst we might be down 66% in terms of guests, the passion, the humour, the charm, the knowledge is all still 100% there. Obviously, it was a joy to have Phoebe on the show. We had loads of laughs. And there is a little reveal about halfway through this episode, folks, that is literally going into my Hall of Fame all-time favourite moments of Paul or Nothing ever. So yeah, I hope you really enjoy it, folks. But before we can get into any of that, we quickly have to move through the... Housekeeping! What do we have in terms of news for today, folks? Absolutely nothing! So we'll go straight into the emails and... Shockingly, folks, we don't have any emails to read out either. It's going to be, thankfully, for some, a very short housekeeping segment today. But that being said, if you do want to get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. As always, I want to know your Paul McCartney history, your Paul McCartney stories, your Paul McCartney anecdotes, trivia, and factoids. I always love to read it out here on the show Maybe you want to correct a fact I got wrong on this end of the show. Maybe there's an album in the future you wish to warn me about or tell me about, you know. Regardless, please email in at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. For daily updates, follow us on our Twitter page, which is at McCartneyPod. You can also check out the blog, where you can find all of the hosted episodes, of course, as well as bonus Paul or Nothing content, articles, that kind of thing that haven't made their way onto the show yet. So for extra Paul or Nothing, if you can't get your fix, head over to paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Speaking of the YouTube... If you're not following it, folks, you really should, as I'm actually starting to dabble in video content now. If you head over to the YouTube page, you can actually find a 16-minute sneak peek at my interview with Joe Wisby from the fantastic Beetle Book podcast and Instagram page. That episode is not going to be out for probably another week or so yet. So if you want to get some early access to that and actually see us have the conversation, you get to see my wonderful face, the face for radio, as they say, then head over to our YouTube page. Again, just type in Paul on All Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. I had a lot of fun doing it, folks, and it's a lot quicker to edit than one of these podcasts, actually. So if you are interested in me doing some more video content, if you want to see Paul or Nothing expand in that way, then please like, subscribe, and leave a comment, that whole malarkey. Drop me an email, let me know what you think of it. 
Speaking of which, if you want to help out the show right now in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please consider leaving a review on whatever platform you are using. Again, if it's YouTube, give us the old thumbs up. Preferably, I'd like to think it'd be worth a five-star review. It really helps boost us up in the ratings and the algorithms. And hey, if you want to write something nice about the show as well, it's always much appreciated. And finally, folks, if you want to support the show directly, if you want to help see the show grow, help keep the lights running, please consider becoming one of our Patreon patrons. Of course, Patreon is a way that you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself by chucking a couple of dollars at my face down the internet every month. You know, buy me a coffee or a beer or something like that. Going back to said Joe Wisby highlights video on YouTube, if you are a Patreon patron, if you support the show directly with your cash, you put your money where your mouth is, you have access to the entire video version of that conversation and more. Yes, folks, we're going to move away from the Patreon being a glorified GoFundMe page and there are actually going to be rewards and benefits for Paul or nothing. Now, I've already started uploading full, raw, unedited conversations of podcasts, you know, where you get everything that might not make it into the show at your own risk. I have also started uploading full scripts and notes that I use for said podcasts, as well as, as well as the aforementioned bonus video content. Also folks, now anyone who subscribes to the Patreon will receive Paul or Nothing episodes two days earlier than will be publicly made available. So if you can't get enough of Paul or Nothing, you wanna get it a couple of days earlier, then hey, please consider joining the Patreon page. It all goes back into the show. It all goes into the, into the hosting costs, products, research, that kind of thing. And folks, if you've been enjoying the, you know, the output, I've been able to contribute to the podcast during my furlough and you'd like to see that output continue, then hey, the more of you donate to the Patreon, the more time I can take off work and so hopefully there's more than enough incentive now for you to look at the links down below and check out the old Patreon page. And before we crack on with the show, I would just like to thank all of my Patreon patrons, my wonderful Patreon family, newcomers Richard Binnington and Mr. B, as well as Teresa Brader, Stephanie Miller, Louis DiLonardo, Stuart Cook, Sharon McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia L, Robert Carabelli, Tony Vosal, Warren Butson, and Matt Phillips. Yes. Anyway, folks, like I say, quite a quick intro today. Let's just go right into the show. One, two, three, and away we go. And now, everyone, it's time for me to bring on today's guest. You will no doubt remember her from her two previous stints on this podcast already, but chances are you'll probably know her as one of the three absolutely brilliant hosts of the Another Kind of Mind podcast. You surely don't need me to tell you about it, but it is easily the most exciting Beatles podcast out there and the one that I genuinely most get excited for. It's not like, oh, there's another episode of that show out. I'll eventually get around to that. It's like, stop the f- stop, stop whatever I'm doing. Gotta listen to another kind of mine uh, now. Oh, I, I'm not even I'm not even trying to brown nose. It's the truth. I'm like, OK, I've got to go on a bike ride right now because I can't wait to listen to this. Fortunately oh. for me today, I've got one of them here with me right now. Everyone, please welcome back Phoebe from Another Kind of Mind. Hello. It's been far too long. Where have you been? It has been. I've I've been really busy. We're making a lot of uh, podcast episodes. They take a lot of time, Sam. I feel like, you know when you see a movie franchise and they've got an actor just before they were truly A-lister? And you're like, how did that guy get them in their movie? And I'm like, 
I had two episodes with like a two-week period with the full Another Kind of Mind gang. A feat that I don't think is ever going to be pulled off again, really. I, uh, I feel so lucky to have, have been a part of that. Oh, thank you. Well, it is kind of, it is kind of a big feat because not only are the three of us in different time zones, but we are also in a much different time zone from you. So that was getting four people across different time zones together was Oh, don't not... don't talk to me about time zones. I'm still <laughs> I'm still reeling from from the Blotter Beatles incident. I really am. Oh my gosh. Oh. Did you have to you you got trashed in like the middle middle of the afternoon or no so i'd already gotten trashed previously but then i'd oh, sobered up and then no. i thought rather than going to sleep i'll just stay awake right through to when <laughs> i'm due to come on and oh, then yeah that's good drunk logic right there i've been there yeah like you know like the same kind of drunk logic where it's like shall i just have a salad or a sandwich now it's like no nah, i need <laughs> i need to go out and have a kebab you know or a burger it's that kind of logic and i was, I was like you know Ken Womack's just reading his questions now. I'll just, I'll just rest my, I'll just rest my eyes just for two seconds, just for two seconds. I know, I don't know the answer to that one, Ken. And then, bam, two seconds later, I wake up and everyone's like, "Sam, it's, it's over now." Oh, oh yeah, man. yeah. It honestly, that's maybe your sex tape. <laughs> mortified, mortified. <laughs> wake up, Sam. It's over. Maybe oh. your sex tape. No, or, or the name of my autobiography. <laughs> Or my debut album, yeah, it all works. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. No, uh, I feel. Well, I'm I'm refreshingly sober today, <laughs> as opposed to all my other podcasts. No, I'm just kidding. Going back to the blottos, though, it's like, come on, guys, I've been getting fucked up doing podcasts long before you were a twinkle in your brain. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're an old pro. Oh god. Oh, oh yeah. I mean. I'm not consistent at a lot of things in my life, but I I do take pride in that, you know. <laughs> now, you got to be good at something. <laughs> <laughs> this has been pretty good timing though, because um, one of your episodes has just come out quite recently, and I've devoured that, and I've devoured it again today, and I've got a lot to say just based on that episode before we can even approach the topic that I wanted to get you here for today. But oh, okay. before we get into any of that. The last time we spoke would have been before the release of McCartney 3. So I've got to get your hot take, Phoebe. And especially Ooh. now that, you know, we've had a couple of months to die down from the hype. Hit me. Oh, I love McCartney 3. Yes. Oh, I loved it. I love it. I loved it. I said, like, I, I'm not referring to like, oh, I loved that. I've forgotten all about it. It's now on the shelf and I'll never play it again. But I mean, like, I loved it. Meaning, like, it really was a big event for December of 2020 for me. Yeah. I listened to it. It's not the only thing that I listened to for three weeks, but I definitely listened to it for three weeks solid. (laughs) I totally get that. I listened to it again in full today when I was doing my little arts and crafts project. And oh, it's so solid, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it just gets better and better and better. I, I mean... Generally speaking, that's true for most McCartney things. For me, they they get better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that one that one like like exponentially it literally does. Like, yeah, it does <laughs> yeah. very literally. Like it's so weird because McCartney normally likes to front end his albums. It's like you know people don't care, so I'll just put all the good stuff at the start to get them hooked. Whereas after after Long Tail Winter Bird, the opening track, which is you know, a very catchy, quick one. As far as I'm concerned, the next three songs are the weakest of the album. And then it literally, as you say, 
it's just one step up after that with each with each track. And by like by the time you get left there at the end, you're like, what was that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. The the well, I don't agree that the um that the A side is weak because I I actually really do love those. I mean, I'm thinking Find My Way, Pretty Boys, and well, just like checks two, three, and whatever the fourth one is. But um, yeah, wives. Oh, yeah, love women and wives so really. Oh, <laughs> what about the um the demo bootleg as well? Did, uh, the early take. Have you heard that? I have heard that. Yeah. I've heard that there's, well, there were two. There was that one and maybe the Kiss of Venus. One of them was like a phone recording or something. Yeah, Kiss of Venus was the phone recording. And then there was the slide-in demo from Dusseldorf as well, the live performance. I don't like the, the, the live slide-in, but sliding on the album, like the album cut is, oh, my God. Oh, no, I can't believe he did a song oh more heavy God. and badass than something like Cut Me Some Slack. I thought that oh, was going to be it, you know? Like that is, woof. And like the fact that <laughs> people are like debating whether McCartney's going to come back and tour again is like, no, no, he has to to play sliding. <laughs> if it sounds anything like on that record, then yeah. Oh, the drums on it are are incredible as well, and the fact that he produced it and yes. he made that song, it's like, oh, well done, Paul, really well done. Yes, although Rusty is on it as well. Yeah, Did um, you know that? I think Abe's on it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the only one that they're on. And then George Martin was present for the production of the final song as well. I tell this to every guest I have on, but <laughs> When Winter Comes was recorded the day I was born, which is my favourite fact ever. Yeah. How special. Yeah, which is great, you know. You know, I guess you've experienced the same phenomena when people who are in the number one charts are now younger than you. And it's like, oh, yeah, gosh, oh, yeah. no. Like, Yeah, it's, that's a depressing situation sure yeah or like you know you find out george harrison was like 15 or 16 or 14 when he when he joined the band it's like what was i doing at 14 literally nothing yeah yeah no i remember my 17th birthday that was one of the thoughts that i had i was like dude i'm 17 george harrison was like conquering america at 17 (laughs) like holy shit i need to pull something out of my hat quick (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I remember my my first thought with that was like the Kings of Leon guitarist was like sixteen or something, but that was before I, I knew I knew about the Beatles, and then it only got worse after that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, just going back to your show, there's something I want to yeah. address right away. Sure. At the end of the latest episode, you've announced another podcast. Yes. What's this about, and what does it mean for another kind of mind? Well, it means that um, Another Kind of Mind is going to continue to put out episodes as normal. Mm-hmm. Basically, all it means is that the Breakup series, which originally posted or premiered on ACOM, is now moving to One Sweet Dream. Right. And that is basically just to help launch that podcast. So now we have a, a spinoff podcast. So, so now instead of one, you have two. That's the best news ever, as far as I'm concerned. I'm really happy about that. Double the content. Are those old episodes going to move over to One Sweet Dream then? The old breakup, yeah, the breakup episodes are. So just that whole series will now live at One Sweet Dream. And then Diana will continue to manage that podcast. Mm -hmm. And Talia will continue to manage ACOM. But we are still sisters so we can all appear on both but we just have we have a spin-off 
basically so we can funnel material more quickly and mm-hmm. easily and we can sort of split administrative duties because there, there's a lot of work involved oh. in putting these episodes out so especially if you want to put out a good podcast i'm not throwing shade at anyone there but if you want to do <laughs> if you want to do a, a product that you're proud of and that you don't because like some of my first episodes like you know when someone goes through a traumatic experience and they have to rewrite their entire brain synapse and become someone else <laughs> just to deal with it like that's what i have to do with when i listen to those podcasts i'm like oh whoever made this was an asshole like these are terrible like, <laughs> like i have to totally disassociate myself from them oh yeah yeah actually i you know like i'm sure we all feel that way to be honest and like you know we we were definitely a very lo-fi podcast i mean we don't we don't have a studio or you know we're recording on our phones and love it we don't have great equipment or anything like that so technologically it was very primitive but also we basically you know we're kind of winging it for the first few and i definitely we've gotten better as as we've gone along done a little more pre-planning i mean (laughs) you know i do most most things off the cuff because that's just the whatever the aesthetic or whatever Mm. that I, i i like you know i just you know i like conversing rather than being overly prepared and having a thesis and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But having said that, it, you know, it definitely improves your storytelling if you're, you know, more prepared. So I got a nice balance now, you know, after you, we've only done I don't, like 15 episodes or something. So the more you do, the better you get at it. And, and the other thing is that, I mean, even though it's not the first time I've ever heard myself, you know, I mean, I've had a radio show before and, mm. you know, been in whatever, you know, little movies and things like that. So I know how I sound, but when you do a podcast, you really hear yourself in a different <laughs> way, you know? They're like, oh, my God, all my my dumb little ticks and fillers and things that you, that are just, like, invisible to you normally – you hear them all when you're editing a podcast. Oh no! Like, the worst is 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 when like you realize you 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 tell the same six stories to the <laughs> to everyone. And you're like, oh god, I'm just like Paul. Did I ever tell you how I, I wrote "Let It Be" when Mother Mary came to yeah. me? I was like, oh no, I'm doing the same thing. See now you know why he is the way he is. Imagine doing that for like seventy years. Oh no! I mean, with <laughs> yeah. the rate I am going with Paul or nothing, I probably will get to driving rain in about seventy years. Actually, so yeah, I remember. I remember when I re- when I when I recorded that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll be making the same sharp observations forty episodes later that you're making now. You know what? I've just got to point something out here. You pointed out in an episode very very recently. It might have been the latest one actually where you point out how many dick jokes you were making in the, in the show and how you've always made them. I posit, I don't think you made quite as many until you all came on this show, I'd like to argue. You don't think so? Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe, maybe that's just yeah, well, although, hope, hopeful although, projection, you know? Although, in, in fairness, our, our dick joke to normal content ratio really increased as John Lennon, you know, puts out more and more dick-related content throughout the year. And there was a lot in the latest episode. Like, it sounds like it was, he, a he was a nightmare to be around, in all honesty, especially in the late <laughs> it's 60s. True. It's true. I mean, we love him. You got to love him. But but also, you kind of have to remember how much his dick was out that year. It's important. Oh, no, like... Uh, the, <laughs> For context. There was a bit you, you were doing. I'm like, I know that it's not like a comedy riffing podcast, 
like the Joe Rogan experience or something like that. But you were doing this riff on like jizz coming out of John's half erect penis. And like that was as legitimately funny as like anything I've heard on a podcast run by comedians. Like I was I was howling. It was so funny. Can you imagine being in the audience to watch that though? Oh my god. You're gonna see my seed now, Paul. Oh John, no, no. Oh no. Yeah, no. Nobody no one wants to see that. And you you point out something that that I'd never really been able to vocalise before, but I'd always innately known, was that Lennon's nudity is not about being sexy or erotic in any way. It's just nudity for the sake of nudity. And I thought thought it was so apt. I was like, yeah, I never have. Like, has anyone been turned on by the Two Virgins cover? I don't think so. No, definitely not. Like, even a real Apple scruff would be like... "Mm -hmm." Yeah, I mean, and you can give him credit for that you know because they didn't you know and he and he made the point too he's like look we didn't airbrush it i'm you know i'm not trying although he did uh rub himself off a little bit to give him a half chubby really yeah he, <laughs> apparently he confessed that to paul <laughs> he fluffed he did oh yeah. my god i'm sure i'm sure paul was like no kidding john oh my god <laughs> like i know that ringo wouldn't have had to do that but you know Oh my have God. you seen actually? Have you seen the photo? Like, there's al- alternate photo, John Yoko, and I'm assuming it's Alex Madras, also naked with like the three of them, like three versions. No. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a blown up picture <laughs> of the three of them from that sh- photo shoot in a picture of John and Yoko, like in a freshly moved into house, or you know, I don't remember that was, but. Yeah, you can definitely find it. Is, is John fluffing the other guy in the photo as well? Like, this, I, is, this is how you do it. I, they're all just standing there. I mean, you can write your own, you know, fantasy novel about hey. why, why he's there. I mean, I'm, you know, the the, mo- the most like um, innocuous interpretation would be that he just took his clothes off to make them comfortable so that he, he wasn't fully dressed <laughs> photographing them naked. You I mean, know, there's, uh, what are the other reasons why the three of them are all naked, you, you tell me? I mean, we're all very fortunate that the Beatles didn't continue to masturbate in a group into their 30s because a photo would eventually leak and it wouldn't be pretty. Well, yeah, as long as they didn't, like, make a movie of it. And... Oh. Yoko it. <laughs> why is that not part of the Abbey Road box set, you know what I mean? Why is that not on the Blu-ray? DVD extras. In 5.1 surround sound, 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 sound. Yoko can do the soundtrack of it. You can really hear the blood going through it. Yeah, right. Are there any known McCartney nudes to exist out there on the interwebs? There's one of him. There's one of him in the bathtub. Is there a beach Uh, one? I'm sure I've seen him naked on the beach before. Yeah, but he's not showing his business. He's just naked, like sort of whatever. But you can see, you kind of see the tip of his penis in the bathtub one. <laughs> He's a you floater. Can, it, it's, it's cute. Yeah, it's floating. It's just, you know, it's just like a little washed up penis. It's, you know, nothing uh, sexy. No. Because uh, unfortunately, I stumbled across the Chuck Berry sex tape the other day, which is something I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy, no. really. No, is that real? Oh yeah, yeah, and like he like oh fa- he farts in the girl's face and he pisses on oh. her and stuff. Yeah, oh, it's horrible. 
Yeah. Oh my god. And she's like, Why? And, and she's like, and she goes, "Kiss me, baby." She's like, I can't kiss you. You got piss on you. Like, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, I found out a lot about Chuck Berry and Little Richard over the past few weeks that I was not aware of. Let's. Rock and roll, huh? Yeah. Tony Woo! Yeah, indeed. Ray Lee Lewis. He was a straight perv, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on to today's topic. Originally, I had you three on to go through album covers of Paul McCartney. And I, I think in the first episode, the plan was to go through all of them in one long episode. And here we are, part three now. And we are only on Band on the Run. Uh, the 1973 hit number one album that everyone you know, basically says is Paul McCartney's best album. And the best part about is my note... Well, oh, well, I mean, in terms of it's wings... A popular, it's a popular uh, contender, most put that way, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a moot question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess you are a fan of Band on the Run, right? Yeah, of course. I'm a fan of... Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of all of them. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> More or less, more or less, but yeah. The sad realisation I've had with Band on the Run recently, though, is that it's the most quote-unquote popular successful one, and it's the one with no silly love songs or weird experimental piano numbers on it. And I know that shouldn't be a shock, like his most rock-oriented like oriented one should be one of the more commercial ones, but I guess, maybe I'm overthinking this, but it's, it, it'd be a shame to think that Paul thinks that to be more commercial is to be less like himself, you know? Well, I think the popular take on this album, I mean, what I've seen written over and over again is that, like, Paul was chastised by the by the critical reception of his early albums. So, you know, he went into the studio, tail between his legs, to deliver what he knew people wanted, which I think sells him a little short. I mean, I don't think there's anything about the album that doesn't sound like him. I think he just, just he maybe he was just in a fucking rocking mood. He, op- <laughs> he, he opens the album with a triple part McCartney medley. Like, yeah, he ended his supposed last bad album, which actually got to number one in America, which no one ever yeah, fucking seriously. brings up. Well, his his failures are other people's you know, <laughs> highlights of their lives. So what, what was it like? Back to the air got got to like number eight or something, and like that upset him. It's like Paul, you, it's, a, it's a top ten album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I think everybody would kill for. And by the way, dude, it's like the fifteenth, sixteenth album you've put out, and like it's still in the top ten, and it's brilliant. But whatever. No, but <laughs> you know. When you get 10 downloads an episode, you think you're happy, and then you start getting 50 downloads an episode. And then once you start hitting, like, 500, you, you then want to aim for 1,000. and Yeah, wanna, yeah, you no, wanna, it's You, you want to keep that going forever. Not that yeah. I'm comparing myself to Paul McCartney, but I totally am. I totally am. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's like, it's like, whatever, being a crack addict. And, you know, it's like, hit off a joint is not going to get it done after a while. Could you imagine being Paul McCartney and knowing you're a songwriting genius and everyone in the business knows you're a genius, but the public just don't seem to get the picture for like six years? Yeah, that would be that would be frustrating. But I don't know. I mean, I I'm not denying that it was like a bummer to him and that it was kind of hurtful and, you know, and or upsetting or whatever. But it didn't really seem to stop him at all. You know, like I, mm. and I do kind of think maybe it helped give him like maybe it put a fire under his ass Mm. because 
you know, there, there's something to the people don't get me. Like when you think that it makes you like more empowered in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, I think he, I think he does kind of like the idea that like, I'm going over people's heads and they don't, and, but they'll get it eventually. You know, he said that about a number of things, actually, that a, a number of his projects that weren't well received. He's like, don't worry, they'll, they'll have their, they'll have their time. Yeah, it's like um, again going get, going back to your recent episode. Like when John is presented with like a critical backlash of we don't like it, he'll just go ah they don't get me, and then kind of abandon that avenue and go back to something he's probably a, a little more familiar with. Whereas Paul, he'll get the bad reception, and then still release three more electronic albums and three more totally totally orchestra <laughs> albums. You know, he, he's yeah. like oh well, I like doing it. It gets me out the house. Absolutely. And like, that's really, that should be your gauge at all times. Like, did it please me? You know, they, um, they always tell young, like creatives to write from your own experience or, you know, like create something out of your, that's, that's unique to you. Like, don't try to make it universal and palatable and, and whatever, like the, the, at least they do now, you mm. know, it's like now the, the, the more niche, the better, the quirkier, the better, the more specific, the better. So I think sometimes, which is a weird thing to say about Paul, because his, you know, if you talk to a critic, it's like, they think he like writes Hallmark cards or something, you know, <laughs> they think he's just like, Oh, the most mainstream non, you know, generic, whatever. But um, some of his stuff is very niche and weird and specific, you know? Yeah, if you if you just look at the lyrics to something like Pretty Little Head or Temporary Secretary, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. That's never going to be at the forefront of like, here are the top ten Paul McCartney songs that the radio uh, has chosen. At number I'm, one, we have My Love. Number two, uh, Megan yeah, right, Amaze. Totally. Absolutely. Did you know he wrote those songs? Yeah, everybody fucking knows that. They're number one. They've sold like 80 million copies. Have you heard the bass line in Silly Love Songs? It's really good, you know. Like, yeah, I know. I well, know. that's why nobody knows who he is as an artist. Like, n- nobody has, I don't mean nobody. I mean, obviously his fans know, mm. but like the general public, because he has so many fucking hits. He's like, he his hits precede him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, his his greatest hits that you know are so fucking big that you it doesn't even occur to you to like look deeper into like or or that he even has like weird interesting stuff in his in his albums no like i mean pure mccartney tried this a couple of years ago like we're gonna do an album that covers his entire career three albums in fact doesn't come close doesn't come not even really close does it yeah (laughs) and also the the thing is like you're still even like a pure McCartney is still mining for gems, you know, like it's, it's still picking like the shiniest gems in the box. Mm. It's, you know, it's not like, you know, you could, you could do an album of just like different moods of his or, you know, different like vibes and, and, and completely different aesthetics and whatever. Cause he's so all over the place, but like his, his, like his, uh, whatever so-called strongest material is always going to be like very melodic, you know, catchy pop songs under five minutes. So you're always going to get a compilation of those because nobody wants to go out on a limb and, and pick his like really weird stuff. No. And that's been 
honestly the best part about doing this podcast is the way that I have to face all of the music whether I'm interested in it or not and <laughs> like I wasn't looking forward to the last four albums like Pipes of Peace, Press to Play, Flowers in the Dirt, I'm, I'm looking at Off the Ground now and yeah, like I love that era. Like, five years ago would I think I'd be walking around the neighborhood going oh I love Hope of the Rover. Oh, it's such a good song. and um, It's really good. Anyone who doesn't like Biker Like an Icon is not meeting the song halfway. It's it's Goofy Paul at his peak. It's it's no different than Lavatory Lil as far as I'm concerned. Are you familiar with like the... The B-sides. Uh, the, the, the demos and like outtakes and stuff from that era. I've been told they are even better than what appears on the album. They are. They're okay. much better than what appears on the album. That's what a lot of, like, I'm actually more familiar because I'm a dick like that. So I'm one of those people where I know the bootlegs better than I know the studio albums. Love it. But that that's definitely, that's definitely one that there's a lot of takes. But even stuff like, you know, peace in the name. <laughs> See, I didn't like that song un- until today. And I was like, this is quite fun, actually. And um, It's true. It's good. Like, it's, su- it's, like, it's such a middle-aged <laughs> like 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 boomer and like it should honestly be like the theme music for a 30 something type tv show you know is that is that the song where it's like the best thing i ever seen in my life is a man who loves his wife yes right yeah <laughs> uh sorry paul a little too heteronormative there actually uh we're gonna cancel off the ground now sorry yeah, paul. the best thing that's yeah. very rude not considerate of your gay neighbors paul yeah <laughs> Not a competition, Paul. <laughs> no, nah, I mean nothing can be worse than when John said, "I've I'm in love for the first time." Yeah, for a "Don't Let Me Down." Like, oh, since not gonna like that one. That's really mean. But yeah, let's let's get onto this cover because this is yeah, quite an, an iconic image. It really doesn't need an introduction. It's the titular band on the run, caught against a brick wall in a spotlight, as if kind of escaping prison, maybe. Yes, as expected. You have the band, which is just the Core Wings trio. But then we have Saruman and Count Dooku, a.k.a. Christopher Lee. We've got the best TV interviewer ever here in the UK, Michael Parkinson. There's actor James Coburn, I'm not too familiar with. Kenny Lynch, not too familiar with either. Uh, John Conti, or Conta, the uh, the boxer. And then a yeah, member of Parliament, uh, Clement Freud. Now, um... um Again, Phoebe, is it is it really worth asking whether this is a, a good image or not? I think we all know that this is an excellent image, an amazing image. So, is Clement the one on the top of the 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 dog pile here, the cheerleading pyramid? The is one who's the head str- cheerleader. He, yeah. He, yeah, he's like, out, oh, Mickey. Yes, yeah, he yeah, he, <laughs> he is a bit like that, isn't he? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Okay. Always thought he looked he looked slightly out of place. I'm not saying that like this would be amongst the best of them, but this is certainly up there with something like Beatles for Sale. Like it's a mid-tier Beatles album cover in terms of quality and you know in terms of how memorable it is and iconic it is. It really does live up to all of that. But do you think it would be ranked as highly if it wasn't also one of Paul's best, most beloved albums, like a kind of nature nurture sort of thing? <laughs> No, I really like it. Actually, I think I like conceptually it's it's good and compositionally it's really good. Mm. And 
I feel like he pulls it off. I mean, or they pull it off, I should say. Yeah. I really like it. <laughs> it's very cinematic and like they've just done a Bond movie soundtrack, so that makes a lot of sense. I just I like the idea of Paul positioning himself amongst other stars, being yep. like, you know, uh, do you get it now everyone? Do you get it? We're a we're a we're a we're a big deal. And in hindsight, since it did, you know, go on to become Band on the Run, it is very fitting. Mm. I kind of took that the other way, actually. I think that Paul's just one of the band members here. He's one of the chain gang. He's not leading the, the troop. No, I wouldn't, say he's, he's I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's leading it. And I don't think it's more about him. I think it's about Wings, most importantly. Like, I think this album cover concept would have been more successful had uh, Henry and Denny Mark II been in the band as well. To kind of, like, say, not only am I Paul the big cheese, but... Wings are amongst all these stars, you know. Linda's the star, Denny's the star. What would have been Henry and Denny would also be stars as well. I, I kind of got that feeling from it. Okay. <laughs> um, I Fight don't really me. see that. I think it's just, I, I just take it to be more with the theme of, a, you know, a band on the run. I mean, that, it literally does evoke, like, a, gr- a band of brothers and, and their old lady. Um, on the run, like they're, they're, it looks like a jailbreak. Yeah. It does look like every single shot from like a movie when some, when you hear the, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, the one that comes to mind for me is probably Dr. Evil in the spy who shagged me when he breaks out of prison. But, uh, I'm sure there would have been ones before then. Yeah. I, I think it's badass. I like, I like the, uh, the lettering as well to the neon, you know, and I like that they, that they didn't turn the neon on. You know, it looks like a neon sign that's off. Yes. It's like yeah. they're sneaking out. You know, it's not like, been on the run. <laughs> kind of understated, but I love the font. I think that font was kind of popular at that time, too. It's kind of of the era, because it looks like that dumb rock and roll Beatles double album. <laughs> yeah. You know, uses it. It's got that sort of throwback you know whatever american graffiti type i mean i know american graffiti was a few years later but that you know that sort of retro 50s mm. look obviously Route 66 yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> weirdly though there's no gatefold so the only other artworks on the rear of the album which is like a little photo collage yeah. and like it's the documentation needed by wings to get from london to lagos which is a nice little detail but I saw it as like a kind of a spy thing when I was a kid. I was like, oh, <laughs> you, you know, they're the band on the run and they've got an hour escape and this is all their secret passports and documentation, that kind of thing. It's nice. Yeah, I like it. I really, you know, the, it is interesting. You're right. It is odd that they didn't go for a gatefold because um, Paul loves a gatefold. Oh, yeah. But, and you know, they got lots of, they got tons of photos and stuff to put in there, but. I love. I really love the back cover. I mean, again, you know, I like it when people put an effort forward. You know, <laughs> like I think this is creative. You know, mm-hmm. and it's and it sets a scene. It tells a story. I mean, that's what I like about it. You know, Definitely. and that's that's what it should do. You know, um, I love the little the not. It's not a little. It's like a real fat. The blunt by the teapot <laughs> not very subtle is it no yeah i've never i literally have never noticed it until just now <clears throat> no my favorite uh vice of choice feature is uh is on the poster 
you can see in one of the boxes that that they've brought to Lagos with them. It's just full of baked beans and Guinness. And I was like, Paul McCartney drinks Guinness. That's awesome. Or is it Denny or Linda, you know? Yeah, Um, really. Or all of the above. Possibly. Or, you know, and then I I can imagine so many empty Guinness, Guinness cans having weed ash being tapped into them, you know? Yes. Whilst a studio's hastily being hammer and nailed nailed together. And Paul's passing out. <laughs> you are you are right though, because I mean there's something I'm I'm gonna bring up later with Wings at the Speed of Sound in terms of a lack of content from an album set and with Venus and Mars, the one that we're we're gonna get to shortly, that's the most lavish one we're gonna we're gonna be look, looking at today and it's a shame that there wasn't a, a little bit more put into this one, but I think it's more indicative of the fact that the last two weren't seen to be as successful. So whoever's putting up the money for this was probably willing to put up less. Whereas with Venus and Mars, it's coming off the back of a huge success that everyone loved and everyone's excited for the next one. And it's the 70s. And as we know, studios just love throwing money at bands in, in the 70s. <laughs> Though, like, not not as much that like giving Paul money. Like, they seem to be more trepidatious. Like, oh, Paul, you know, we can't have Red Rose Speedway be a double album, but we're going to give a, a thirty bands fifty thousand pounds worth of cocaine. Sorry, it's Paul. So, <laughs> very bizarre. It's like, what do you think's going to happen? It's only going to be the second best-selling album of the year. I mean, mm. well, it's, you know, it's going to sell a gajillion copies. So, what what are you fucking worried about? Like, I can't believe that some hack manager didn't put out more of the cold cut stuff. Like, there are so many producers and managers who are like, what's that, Paul? You've got some extra songs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, really? You know, whip us up another single and we'll fill an album with Cage and see, and you know, next same time next year and that kind of crap. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the record business, especially in the 70s. I mean, that's a little out of my pay grade, but... Um... They're really weird. Like I, I've just heard Paul say weird things like um, record companies don't like they don't like double albums or they don't like, you know, gatefolds or you know, just anything that's a little extra money, I guess. Stuff that like makes these albums so timeless and memorable to us, the consumer, like like. Yeah. Could you imagine if someone was like, oh, Lads, this Sergeant Pepper thing, it sounds a bit expensive. We've got to get an artist in. Is it really worth it? Well, I mean, they did, actually. You know, I mean... Oh, really? Yeah, George Martin, as the producer, he... Come on now, lads, come on now. Well, he was in charge of the budget, so he, you know, when Paul requested... You know, Paul, God bless him, he requested something ridiculous, like three symphonies or something, you know, three <laughs> orchestras. And he's like, Paul, come on, man. He's like, that's... I, we don't have the money for that. I think it was one, but he was like, we can't do that. How can we, can you work with a half orchestra? And Paul's like, oh, sure. So that's what they got for, um, for Day in the Life. It was for money. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it not always, the budget. It always comes down to money. Yeah. Speaking of Pepper, I remember that there was a documentary, like special for Band on the Run on uh, ITV here in the UK, yes. which is like our Channel 3. Yes, I know it well. And... <laughs> It gave me goosebumps when I saw the footage of the actual photo shoot itself taking place. Yes, it's yes. brilliant footage. It's beautiful. Like, do we have any footage of the pepper shoot or do we only have those alternative photos? 
Yeah, no, I think we've got we've got photos. The, those are those are pretty special too, though, because you can see Robert Blake and Robert Fraser and oh yeah, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty nice. But yeah, that that um, the the film footage of the shooting of the cover is really kind of delightful and magical. When I first found out that there were multiple versions of the Sergeant Pepper cover, it made Instagram make a lot more sense to me now. It's like, oh, people just choose the best out of multiple photos. I, <laughs> I understand how this works now. <laughs> Need to update the old Tinder bio. <laughs> <laughs> we'll that, just pick one. <laughs> yeah. That was also the same documentary where Paul talks about Jet being a horse and not a dog. And I spent my entire Beatle fandom talking about Jet is a horse. And it was like, no, it's a dog, Sam. And I thought I was mad for years. Like, I thought I was insane. Why do you think it was a dog? Every, everywhere else talks about it being a dog. That's interesting. Yeah, loads, oh, of, loads of other sources mention it being a, be, being a dog. I've, I've got it in a couple of books. It's on Wikipedia, Beatles Bible, Paul McCartney uh, Project. Yeah, very, very strange. I mean... I definitely think Jet is about Linda. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, might not be her, but it sounds like her to me. I can only assume that's her. I mean, obviously it's not about a fucking horse. <laughs> it's just the, that's the horse's name. He's like, I chose the name of the horse, you know, that's where I got the name from. Yeah, it's one of those Helen Wheels situations, probably. Yeah, exactly. Unless the horse has has a, a you know overbearing father that, <laughs> that it stood up to and got its rights from. I mean, no, that's well, a hell of a hell of a life journey for that horse. I've known many horses to be suffragettes, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Paul. I'm sure you've already done a special on um, one hand clapping. <gasps> no, I haven't. Oh, what? oh my god! That, if uh, you know what, if you're, if you're ever free, I yeah, I, let's yeah. do let's do it. One hand clapping, or as I call it, the documentary that invalidates the album version of 1985. Amen, amen. That oh my god, that live version and that cigarette he's smoking as well. He looks so good. Oh, oh yeah, god. that cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, amazing. It's like, Paul, that's how you fucking almost died in Africa. Like, that's why you passed out, dumbass. <laughs> I mean, like, like, singing so hard and straining so hard. Honestly, like, watching that video, I was like, oh, that absolutely ex- explains that bronchial spasm that he had. No, look, I, I am sure the Lagos EMI studio was well ventilated, obviously. Oh, sure. Yes, as recording <laughs> studios tend to be super well ventilated. Also, it's uh, nice and breezy in Lagos, not hot at all, not humid. Yeah. Uh, and Paul's probably not hydrating, and he's screaming and bearing down a lot, and so that cuts off oxygen to your brain, so that's why he passed out. Yeah. I'm sure only the best quality cigarettes and marijuana got to the turmoil-stricken Lagos at that time as well, you know. Only the best for Paul at that time, surely. Dude, I'm sure that Paul would smoke fucking anything anybody put in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me point out something sweet on the back of the cover, if I may. Oh, is this the five letters? The five letters? Yeah. Oh, what's that? All of the thanks on the rear cover are spelled T-H-A-N-X for some reason. Like, it's like, thanks. No, no, no. It says, mine says, anyway, and Paul would like to thank Linda with a K, and Linda would like to thank Paul with a K. And oh. then it says, thanks, X, Danny. 
Danny, sorry, Danny. Oh, hang on. <laughs> the last member of Wings, Danny. <laughs> you, you know, you know what? I'm going to grab my copy. One second. Danny is the only one who gets the special X. Oh, I can't find it. You're right. It does say, actually. It does say special thanks with an X to EMI Studios, Arc Studio, Clive Aerosmith, Tony Visconti, etc. That's with an X also, but Paul and Linda thank because it's um it's not uh, plural. It's just one thank. Oh, <laughs> that's with the cake. I'd want to go back and riff on Danny Lane some more. I think I think that's a real gold <laughs> yeah. gold mine of comedy there. Yeah. Danny, Danny Lane's stage name, not Brian's stage name. Nah, he's Danny's younger younger brother. It's like, oh, you're right, lads. Just, oh, Daddy said I could be in the band. Can you can you can you play keyboards better than Linda? No. <laughs> By the way, Denny slash Danny has a has a lovely photo on the back of the of the album as well. It's uh, which is a rare thing actually. I think for, for 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 all the crap I give Linda for not being able to take a good of a photo that she can take herself. Yeah. There are so few Denny Lane images that get my stamp of approval. Mostly Absolutely. due to his like fashion and facial hair, like. Uh-huh. Maybe he's just not especially photogenic, but that that really is a, is an excellent portrait of him. Just you know, highlights all of his features in the best way possible. Is it the Wings? Uh, no, uh, the London Town poster where it's the three of them, where they all just look fantastic in that kind of triangle position. Oh, I don't know. I want that one. I don't uh, think I have that. I think I think it's that one because. Um, well, yeah, because the poster for Band on the Run that we're talking about now, that's the one where it's all just photos of them in Lagos. So is your is your vinyl come with a poster? The, uh, yeah, so it was my dad's copy, but it came with a poster. And currently, oh, damn it. Yeah. Mine doesn't have one. Shit. It's on, it's on my bedroom wall along with um, oh. my poster for Venus and Mars and the poster for... Uh, what? I, I think it's London Town, yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I got screwed. See, I bought all of these used, and this one doesn't have a fucking poster either. Nutballs. Nah, I mean, it, look, you shouldn't be above, uh, you know, buying multiple copies of the same album. My fifth copy of Chopper is on the I'm way as, as we speak. It is. Oh, wait a second. There's What is this? <gasps> I just found something in my Venus and Mars. It's a clipping. Oh, my God. President Kennedy shot. <laughs> um, okay, there's a picture of 1975's Miss Black Florida. <laughs> What's that doing in there? Jejuan Spence. I guess she. I guess this must have belonged to Jejuan. Wow, that's pretty cool. This is like when I found my dad's supposed copy of Sergeant Pepper and it says Fedoris on the front cover. Oh, wait, hold on. I turned it over. It's a review. It's a review of the album. Yes. So, uh, sorry, I was uh, transfixed by the picture. But no, no I, think, I, th- I, think, I think it's funnier if we just <laughs> pretend that it's just a picture of Miss Black Florida. I think that's funnier. <laughs> That is amazing. Okay, it should have been Miss New Orleans though. If that if if it had been, it would have it would have fit it would have fit a little a little better. That's oh my god! So this is a review from some newspaper in Florida. Wow! Florida. And it starts off. I'm not kidding you. This is this is authentic. I've never seen this before. It starts off. Paul McCartney is a very talented. <laughs> b very lazy. 
C, both of the above. Wow. My answer is C, but not without some explanation. Okay, anyways. That's like that bit in Goodfellas where Robert De Niro says the same thing twice. He says, you got to remember two things. <laughs> Never rat out on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing. It's the same thing, Robert. <laughs> oh, know. my God. This is so bitchy, this <laughs> fucking review. Thanks, H. Nathan, Sentinel Star, staff writer. No, but how much though? Because obviously, a lot of the, a lot of the issues with the perception of Paul is reviews being propagated without thought forever, over and over and over again. People just repeating the same shitty opinions. Wow, this is real. This is real unnecessarily shitty. <laughs> but like, it's just it's just a lot of it is writers trying to write something interesting i know and they don't have any they have nothing to say got nothing to say yeah it's a pretty good album six out of ten you can't you can't put that you'd be sacked yeah this is just like a bunch of different cliches all strung together oh my god i'm I'm gonna need a picture of this alive this this newspaper probably doesn't exist anymore (laughs) h nathan i'm gonna give you a piece of my mind buddy I wonder if Miss Black Florida on the back still alive. <laughs> I don't though. Know. Maybe, maybe I'm we could interview I'm her. Sign it. <laughs> we can get her to sign it. Can you? <laughs> you uh, had the nerve to print this shitty review on the back of my picture. Uh, I remember I went to a Comic Con in Birmingham a few years ago, and uh, Dave Gibbons, the um, penciler or the colorist on Watchmen, the uh, comic book, mm-hmm. and my mate Ryan was with me, and he didn't have anything to sign. So he got arguably one of the greatest artists in the industry to sign his Starbucks cup. Oh, how cute! <laughs> yeah, he just put it in the bin like immediately. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, you're such an asshole. <laughs> but no, but he, but he said he did it because he panicked and he didn't want to, like for him to have something like not anything to sign. And I was like, oh, it's quite, it's quite cute. Yeah, that is cute. There's quite a funny story about the filming of the shoot behind the band on the run cover because. They had to use a, a particular tungsten film at a specific time of day, kind of like, you know, the golden hour for that film, The Revenant. But mm. they, they all had to stand still for several seconds for it to work. And apparently they'd all got absolutely blotto beetled the night before. And <laughs> they were all hungover as fuck. And apparently it was very difficult to oh, get them amazing. to pay attention, to get them to stand still or even stay conscious in some in some cases. The actors or the photography? All of them. Like, oh. <laughs> a, a, everyone involved was a little bit merry, shall we say. Except That's maybe uh, Clive Arrowsmith. <laughs> Except maybe Mary, who was five. You, know, <laughs> you never know with these McCartneys, you know. Seriously. These, these rock stars with their long hair and their motorbikes. With their marijuana. Marijuana. Yeah. That, well, I, it, they're taking it very... Yeah, it's, it's dark. It's, like, late at night. So they must have... I mean, they have, like... Huge, huge spotlights are thrown on them. They got to get a lot of light. To, it it looks beautiful. Oh, it, it must be so hot as well under those like seventies lights oh my as God, well. It must be burning, but and it doesn't look like they had to push the film or pull the film. Sorry, I always confuse those. It looks good. I'm just picturing the heat ray from like the War of the Worlds just zapping people. <laughs> well, it looked cold out there, so it probably didn't feel that bad. Again, is this shot in the same park as Wildlife? Because I think it was shot in a park in London. Oh, I've, really? I've got a sneaking suspicion. I, someone please write into Paul or Nothing. 
uh, at gmail.com. Where was this actually shot? I've, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that it was I shot in the same park. Bridge. Then it probably looks like it's under a bridge or something. Also, this is an album cover that proves why prison uniforms can't be black. Because you'll just slip away into the night. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you go. I know they look like cat burglars, actually. They look more like cat burglars than um, prisoners, but... And it, it's one of the few Im- Im- images where both Paul and Linda's mullet just somehow works. I don't know what it is, but they just get away with it. It's true. Can we talk for just one second about how cute John Conti is, by the way? <laughs> go on. I don't know if you're so interested in talking about that. But... Go on. No, he's there. He's dreamy. He is just adorable. And he's in that, um, I don't, is that in, in um, uh, one hand clapping? No, it's like a clip from that same era. I think they, they, they shot it. Must have been around the same time though. Do you know what clip I'm talking about? It's like John, John Conti, this is your life or whatever. No. Oh, well, yeah. I'm Paul sure you'll bring this back up. <laughs> Paul, Paul shoots a little appearance with him or whatever. He comes in the studio. It's so cute. And like he, you know, they surprise you. I guess it was like a, a some TV show, like a candid camera type situation. Not quite candid camera, but like they assemble some people from your life, and then they surprise you, and they're like, "John Conti, this is your life." <laughs> it's dumb. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Paul was one of the people, and so he came on and did a little, you know, appearance for the show. It's super, super cute. And he's like, oh, no, he, like John, John Conti is he's all embarrassed, like, ah, and <laughs> Paul comes over and like, well, he's like, how are you doing? Like they, they come over and they do this little like bro hug, like a little, you know, man, you know, that half hug that guys do <laughs> <laughs> it's like around the shoulder or something with like a slap around the shoulder, whatever. So they do like one of those. And then Paul like smacks him in the belly. It's so cute. See. I, I I just I just went online to find a picture of the of, of the band on the run cover and I've stumbled across an article on ultimateclassicrock.com where it's ranking I think oh, it's please. uh like 60 plus of the Beatles solo albums. Oh please don't no first of oh all Oh my that, god. That website is trash. Don't even go on it. It is trash. So hang on. Below Give Me More by Ringo Starr in 2017 we have so McCartney yes. 2. I oh yeah, yeah. Then, and I'm wildlife talking. it's a joke what? <laughs> yes don't even waste your time ringo's r- rotogra- <laughs> how do you say that word rotograph yeah rotograph what oh my god i know people it's like get just just get stop over and it. smell the roses is better than press to play and wonder warm music <laughs> what is going on with this list oh my god I don't, they're trying to be controversial, I guess. I guess it's like, it's controversial to say Paul McCartney sucks somehow. You know, you know, when people say like, oh, music's all subjective. I think that's a weak ass argument for people who don't know how to fight back. You know what I mean? True. You know, bullshit, bullshit. No, 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 no. I, uh, press to play. It's never going to get the credit it deserves. And I've made my peace with that. I, you know. I have a hot take on press to play if you're interested. <laughs> Come on. I'm ready to put it out. I, honestly, like, I don't care for the production on most of press to play. This is another situation where I feel like Paul's demos are so, like, his songwriting oh, yeah. album is so strong. The original version of, of like, Angry, where it's bam, out, bam, out, bam, out, bam, out. so good. Yeah. All of those demos are, are fucking bomb. And the, 
production is trash. Sorry, um, Mr. I forgot what your name is. Um, yeah. Pat. Yeah, I know. I know that you were a real fucking hot commodity for 10 minutes in the 80s that you thought you were above Paul McCartney. Sorry that I don't remember your name, nor does anybody else now in 2021, but whatever. You apparently thought you were, you knew more than Paul McCartney, so. Um. No, um, I've said this before, like, when we get the Press to Play archive release, I don't want, I don't want a remaster. I want, I, I want a remix. I want it built up from the, from the bottom. I want footage of old man Paul with his white hair. You know when, like, whenever there's footage of George Martin, he just feels compelled to push faders on consoles to make to like look like he's doing something. I want to see footage of Paul and John Ronson and Giles Martin pushing faders, you know, and that's what we need for press to play. Yeah, and I agree with you that Pretty Little Head is like amazing. It's like it, it, it's in his top twenty songs. I'm it's so, amazing. It is. It's amazing. Do you like it's the single awesome. version? I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of versions, so I... I, I it's got about fucking 80. It's one of those ones in it. It's like, do, oh, do you have Figure of Head on vinyl? Yeah. Do you have all of them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do I? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> well, Figure of Eight's another one that I hate the album version, but I really like the live versions. And especially there's a... um, Boy, yeah. this is... I'm really in the weeds here. This is real, real music nerd nonsense going on right here. But like my favorite version of that is the live version that they do in the studio with the band with mm. um, Chris Witten on the drums. That's my favorite version of, of Figure of Eight. It's slower and it's it's less um, it's got less bells and whistles on it. And it, it's just a really good song. That's another one that didn't really catch me at first but like the more i listen yeah. to it it really really sunk in it's a really good song and with amazing lyrics i was just about to say that like i've just got to get them up right now because they because because <laughs> the, generally that it it blew me away when like when like i broke it down and um i remember like you know thinking better to love oh, one another than yeah. for a walk in the dark it's better to love than to learn how to hate yeah we better Take good care of each other. Avoid slipping back on the straight and avoid, narrow. Avoid, yeah, slip. It's not. No, it's not. Avo- it's something like that. Avoid slipping back off the straight and narrow. Off it's better by far than getting stuck. Stuck in a figure of eight. In yeah. a figure of eight. It's really good. I love that you don't oh, like and, the album version. That's the, so funny. The, what is the middle one? I really like the middle. The middle eight too. It's like um, figure it out for yourself, little girl, or you'll go nowhere at all. Something yeah. like that. If nothing more than a time globe in a big dance hall. It's like, yeah, go you on, Paul. Yeah, it's really nice. Again, I can't believe how good Flowers in the Dirt was compared to how scared I was that it was that it was gonna be rubbish. <laughs> no, it's really good. All the all the songs on it are, you know, the songs the songwriting is really solid. Again, I, I it's not my favorite production, but I'm you know <laughs> I like I guess if you, you know, some, some of this stuff is like when you attach to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you hear some of them at different times in your life when it's, you know, you, maybe you're on an 80s mm-hmm. kick and you hear an 80s album and, and you're into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When, like if the 80s are very out of style and you hear one, it might not sound as good or, you know, whatever, that type of thing. <laughs> anyway, we, we'll, we'll talk about the 80s later. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know what we're talking about right now. I- <laughs> Either. Like 
you know, it's like, oh, okay, just go back and retrace your steps and you'll find out how you got, like, I don't know how we've gotten to this, to this point and I really don't care. Um, yeah. But let's talk about Venus and Mars. Yeah. 1975's Venus and Mars, the album. Let's, let's talk about the album itself. How do you okay. rank it? Is it Band on the Run Part 2? Is it better than Band on the Run? Or is it just an album purely made for stocking a tour? It's a good question. Uh, I would say that, uh, I, well, I don't really rank, I don't, I don't really think in those terms. I may have said that before. Yes. Um. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, I believe the original quote was, I don't do that thing that boys always do. I think that was one of the original quotes. I don't think you said it, but yeah, someone definitely pointed out to me that it's definitely a guy thing to compare yeah. album reviews aggressively, shall we say? Yeah, that is representative of my of my viewpoint. So yes, I, I haven't I haven't misrepresented a guest. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, there it's true. It's I mean uh, to me they're all just like you know what mood I'm in or what I'm into at the moment mm-hmm. or you know my my current favorite or or you know that type of stuff. So again, I'm I'm a little disconnected from conversations. That that I that I see are kind of popular in in Beatledom as opposed to like the regular normal population of people who just buy albums like them. Let me rephrase it then: um, Is Venus and Mars, in terms of its songwriting for you, at least as consistent as Band on the Run? My maybe maybe because looking at the list here, there's some really good. Some really good songs. I don't dislike any of them. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like all of them. I mean, the 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 one that I don't particularly love would be Treat Her Gently. Really? Interesting. Yeah, but, but again, I think that's due probably to the production. Because I think it's a solid song, but I'd like to hear um I'd like to hear a more low-key version of it. Because oh, that was the song that I hated the most originally. I was like, a song about old people get fucked. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a mover and a shaker. But now that I'm at the ripe old age of 28 years old, I'm, I'm much more sympathetic to it. And uh, I guess, I mean, I mentioned this on the recent Listen With Sam episode, but like with like COVID and stuff and like old people yeah, being, yeah. being stuck at home and stuck in care homes and stuff, I think it just hit me with a bit more like context than it probably ever would have before that that's legit i mean yeah i i like that i don't and i and i also like all his dance hall type stuff like i i like mm-hmm. all of that so that's not an issue for me it's i i was just picking the one that i didn't go especially you know crazy for no for me now it's crossroads i think it derails a perfect album for me really put like put yeah. my carnival or lunchbox odd socks at the end, or you know that clip of Paul playing Babyface from yeah, One Hand Clapping. Yeah, yeah. Pop that at the well, end. Perfect. Or how about um, uh, give me you gave me uh, give me a ring. It was written in seventy four. Now, oh my god! Now that's you on g- that. Yeah, that's in that that, that video as well. When you when you said you were getting into the nitty gritty nerdy stuff, I didn't know you were getting this dirty. Oh my god, no! I love that. I mean, it's clearly not quite as finished as the version that appears on Tug of War. There's like a middle eighth or something missing, but 
Oh. It's better, though. No, it's better just him at the piano. Oh, do you think? I do. See, I do kind of like that. You look a little like the. Uh... Well, I, I like the tug of war version too, but I don't know. It's it, but but I mean, mid seventies, Paul. That's the hot stuff. I mean, it's hard to <laughs> seriously like seventies. Paul is is pretty hard to top. No, his and... voice is just, I mean, just incredible in the seventies. Don't think it got shitty in the eighties or anything. Morse Moose and the Grey Goose, nineteen hundred eighty-five. Backseat of my car. These crazy vocals that he's just putting out, Bluebird. album after album. Yeah, I mean his soft voice is, is gorgeous. Also, you know what? I read a random uh, Reddit post today. It's like someone saying, "Why is Paul's voice so rubbish and so hoarse and so poorly executed on Winter Rose Love Awake?" And it's like, "Are we listening to the same song here, motherfucker?" Like, I don't know what you're listening to. Yeah, right. That's one of the best McCartney vocals. What are you on about? All through the summer. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm, do- I'm doing it justice for you, I'm just doing it. <laughs> There's also, a, um, um, Call Me Back Again is another one that I don't oh. love on the album, but I love live. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, I only just recently found out that it was the song he wrote to do with John Lennon if John was going to come in the studio. Yeah. And how the fuck would it have been arranged otherwise? Like, would it have been a back and forth? Or would it have been a harmony? Like, Well, oh. he, and, he and Linda do harmonies on the call me back again. So probably they would, she would, I think Linda might even be singing John's part on that. If he had written it for John in mind, which I don't know if that's true or a rumor. A lot of this shit's bullshit. No, uh, I actually wrote Medicine Jar for John, but then uh, I just allowed uh, Jimmy to say that he wrote it instead. <laughs> well, that does sound like some shit Paul would do. Yeah. He's like, are you having trouble finishing the Just let me finish it for you. Here, you can put your name on it. I don't care. Uh... <laughs> It's like the time I found out that junk also means heroin. I'm like, oh, my God, this completely rearranges my entire thoughts on McCartney 1. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and 1969 is, a, is, you know, that's a year that where, where heroin is really impacting Paul's life, to be honest. <laughs> it is, though. It is, it is. I mean, he's losing his band because of heroin in 68 and 69. Although, you know, it was written in... India, apparently. Well, I think, well, the melody was written in India, Mm. but so it doesn't, you know, probably isn't directly referencing, you know, John's heroin addiction. But anyway. No, no, (laughs) another crappy connection I saw someone trying to make. You know, you you know, that supposed horrible postcard McCartney left on the mantelpiece when John and Yoko were staying at his flat. Uh Yeah. Uh, You and your tart think you're hot shit. Yeah. Then, like, someone was like, oh, well, maybe Paul's referencing that in two of us, you know, sending postcards, writing letters. I'm like, he he is not referencing that. I don't try to espouse myself as a BL expert. Just my gut instinct is telling me that that is not a reference to that moment. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Hey, John, do you remember when I nearly, like, irrecoverably damaged our friendship by, like, unnecessarily going after your bird? I would have written a... A quirky little acoustic number about it. Well, Whatever. Let's, let's do it, Paul. Go on. 
Let's uh, talk about the cover, though. Uh, this one's a bit of a doozy, actually. <laughs> it's a very memorable Linda McCartney photographic composition of two billiard balls, one red, one yellow, set against a black background. This, these represent the titular Venus and Mars with both simplicity and charm, as far as I'm concerned. And the title, as well as the designs on the rear and around the side, are done by George Hardy from Hypnosis. And then there's a lot of the uh, lettering that incorporates the red and yellow balls into their design as well. And then the rear of the album, rather like Sgt. Pepper, is just taken up by lyrics for the songs. You've got the inner gatefold, where the band are shot on on these uh, sandy plains of Northern California, taken by Aubrey Powell, also from Hypnosis probably during their their trip to the States in 74. Then, (laughs) obviously, you won't have this poster, Phoebe, but I have this poster. Currently hanging in my bedroom. It's another double feature. On one side, we get nine, kind of uh, a grid image of Wink stood outside, kind of middle of nowhere looking barn, probably the same place as the gatefold image. And on the other side, we get Linda and Paul in top hat and tails, in like a Aww. New Orleans street style Mardi Gras party. Oh, it's great. Cute. I know I say this I every time, that. but uh Linda looks particularly fine in this poster. Uh may, yeah. may maybe it's the angle, maybe it's a a woman in a top hat she can leave her hat <laughs> on. Uh, um, you know, I don't want to get too Randy Newman on air, but I don't know what it is. Always liked it. Yeah, that, that you picked up on the double entendre there. Thank you, Phoebe. Um, yeah. <laughs> although I'm glad they didn't go with the image of Paul and Linda dressed up as the clowns when they went to the New Orleans Mardi Gras again. Have ever seen that photo? Yeah. It's nightmare fuel. It re- it re- yes, really yeah, is. Yeah. Cool clowns. Come on. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Self-evident. There's got to be a Pennywise wings Beatles Ugh. pun. In yeah. there, in there somewhere. I don't like that. No, no, no that, that that particular one. It like invokes John Wayne Gacy. It's it's horrifying. <laughs> oh, I mean, I couldn't imagine an industry hating one person more than clowns hating John Wayne Gacy. It's like you've ruined our entire <laughs> trade, you asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's the least of his crimes. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, on top of everything, yeah. on top of, yeah, exactly. on, on top of being a real jerk. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Phoebe, we are now entering the hypnosis phase of the Wings album art history. Is oh. this a period you find visually interesting? Like is this is this first commission a good one for you? Um, I I've never heard of hypnosis before now. In fact, I was just about to ask you, what the fuck is hypnosis? So hypnosis was a company that does album covers. They did the one for Wings at the Speed of Sound. They did Wings Over America. They did absolutely oh. loads. Let's have a look. I'm going to type it in right now. Hip. And it's spelled. Um, it's not spelled like hypnosis. It's, it's, it's hip. And then, you know, like the Gnostic oh, Bible, uh, G-O-G-N-O. Spelled hypnosis. Okay. Yeah. Very well. Okay, I I don't hate that. I mean, at, at first glance, I'm like, oh, that sucks. I mean, they have, you know, they have Paul's an artist, Linda's a photographer. I mean, you'd think they, they've got it covered. They can adequately do their own album design. But then again, you know, that's a lot of work. And they're kind <laughs> yeah. of busy. So, and then also I thought, it sounds like, like, it sounds like you're just sort of outsourcing your your art 
But at the same time, like the Beatles hooked up with the fool and had them do a bunch of shit for them. So Mm -hmm. I guess this is like the seventies version of the fool, except hopefully Paul's not banging one of them. (laughs) I'm just looking up a couple of their covers now. ELO's, uh, self, self self-titled album. We've got, uh, Oh, distant light by the hotlies. I actually quite like that album. Uh, where, We've got Pink Floyd, we've got Bad Company, Sid Barrett, 10CC. Yeah, these guys got around, actually. The one they did before Venus and Mars was Al Stewart's Modern Times. Let's have a look at it. Yeah. It's just a picture of his face. <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> uh, Okay, Al Stewart, Modern Times. Al Stewart, that's one I've never got. I've never gotten him before. No, um, oh, that's all right. I was looking at the uh, the uh, Venus and Mars chart chart positions. I was like, you know, why why didn't you know getting closer or something get to? Oh, so why didn't Rock Show get to number one? And I was just looking at like the top forty. I was like, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. You know, him, Rock Show has that real. It's got a lot, a lot of that Detroit Rock City, you know, energy to it, mm. right? Doesn't it really sound like that? <laughs> See, for me, it's a more interesting version of jet it's got that kind of chug to it but rather than getting bogged down it just a very simple track it doesn't try and overcomplicate it and that coder at the end that it's like paul your coders are better than some people's songs that's 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 ridiculous that's, that's, that's like most people don't have a single hook in their careers it's that good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i love rock show rock show is like and that has a gut has good lyrics too i mean they're funny they're very like they're very sassy i don't know what the word is <laughs> they're like they're very like fuck you no like i don't I love... think, like i don't think they're aggressive you know i think no. they're just kind of like it's like satire you know, well, like, but but like, uh, but like, kind of um, slightly edgy satire. <laughs> like, you know, there was something I mentioned before uh, on another episode, and it's it's how. Oh no, it might it might be when I was on ranking the Beatles. Actually, when we were talking about Maxwell Silverhammer and the the way he tries to fit in the word fataphysics into a song, and yeah. uh, he he tried to fit peradventure into English tea from a, a couple of years ago. I mean, tried he did. He, oh, he did very successfully, and he got concert gabo in there, and it doesn't like ruin the song with like this clunky rhyme. It's like it's a rock show at the concert gabo. Love it! What a fantastic rhyme! Oh. Only Paul could think of that. So this is the first album with good old Jimmy and Jim McCullough, uh, Joe English, and, yeah, and Sweet Joe Joe English, yeah. Do you have a particular favorite lineup of Wings? Sam, have we, did we talk about that before? I know. I've probably mentioned it quite a few times, but my listeners will know all too well that I'm more than happy to, to tell the same story over and over and over and over again. Um, it's the Back to the Egg lineup every time. Yeah! Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love them too. I mean, it's not just because Lawrence Dube has been on my show, but uh, <laughs> it, I, it's, I like an underdog, number one. And I love basing my arguments on what ifs because the album after Back to the Egg would have been up there with Band on the Run. I know this. Wings Tug of War would have been so good. Yeah, I think I think Tug of War is still great, but yes, I don't like to do what ifs because I feel like that's disrespectful. Like you know, you know, it's like 
he put out a product and I think we should appreciate it for what it is. And, and who, who am I to give my fucking backseat driving? Oh, no, no, don't, don't worry. I've invited someone else to do my single disc white album (laughs) episode. Don't worry. Oh, what would the second disc of Red Red Speedway look like? I'll get Tom Hunyadi. Don't worry. It's, 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 It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. This is an album I, I really, I really do love. I love it. I, I love Venus and Mars. It's, it's shocking how varied it is. How not ro- like everyone yeah. says. Oh, it's this rock and roll album. Uh, are, are you sure? What? Are you it? sure? It's a rock pop with more emphasis on pop. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's got a, it's got a nice. Here's my thing. To be perfectly frank, like I don't listen to it as an album in order okay this particular one so i can, so i feel like i'm not really qualified to comment on it as a cohesive work mm-hmm. i like i know all the songs but i know them all whatever sort of out of context mm-hmm. individually no, no, I, I, I get individually, that yeah. I mean, I, I mostly listen to this to this album on a uh, playlist that I made for myself called Penis and Bras, where nice. yeah, it has to be a pun, doesn't it? And <laughs> it's kind of the the same, but I've taken out a few songs and I've added My Carnival, I've added Lunchbox Odd Socks, I've added uh, A Walk Through the Park with Eloise. Yeah, 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 those are, those are very cute. I want side one to be rock and roll and side two to be the silliest love song that ever loved a silly love song. And Which is what? Oh, so as, as in it's got like you gave me the answer on side two, loving song on side two, walking the park to Eloise. But side one is all rock show, medicine jar. Junior's Farm is on there as well. Junior's Farm oh, is... Oh, Junior's Farm. It totally changes Venus and Mars if you try and put Junior's yes. Farm on there. It's like, oh, okay, now it is a rock album. It, yeah, it, yeah. it tips it over the scale. Yes. I would... Okay, there, now now, now we got something. Now I'm willing to to, <laughs> to wade into this... I've, I've uh, reeled her in, folks. I've reeled her in. Here we go. All right, I'll do it. I Okay, I admit it. It's fun. I'll stop being such a <laughs> fool and I'll just, like, submit to you it. You jean jackets, uh, yeah. look at you. I know. It's true. I'm, I'm putting the jean jacket on. Yeah, if you add, like, you know, five of his other great hits from this, or great songs from this era, and you just extend it, then it really becomes extra special then it becomes a better out see here's the thing is like i feel like some of these are a little too too like band on the run for me has a has a real flow all the songs going together that that album seems really cohesive and maybe Mm. maybe that's the difference between band on the run versus uh, a speedway or, mm. or Venus and Mars, honestly, because it's not even that the, the that the songs are poorer on either of those. They just see it; just is a little, I don't know, a, a all little, over the place. Yeah, all over the place. Yes, that's a good that's a good way to put it. And actually, I feel like Wildlife benefits from from a cohesive through line as well. Like I think Wildlife is a really good album. I don't understand why it's. You know um, what? So that's really it, funny that. Wildlife would be more consistent than Venus and Mars and Red Red Speedway. That's a, that's very that's very interesting. Actually. Yeah, I, to me, I do. I think they're they're all so. I mean, they sound like they're all recorded on the same fucking day. You know, they really are. They they all have the same sort of mood and vibe, 
Whereas these are all, you know, again, I, I to me, and this might not even be the case, although I think it is. And in, in Paul's like later, most of his later 70s career, well, probably all of his 70s career, with the exception of maybe like Ram and Band on the Run, which mm. are, like I said, more cohesive. But the rest of them are just like, wow, I just wrote 20 songs. <sighs> I got to pick 10. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, and he's just like kind of taking shots in the dark of uh, like sometimes he doesn't even get the best songs on the album. Sometimes. You know? No, almost every time, Phoebe. He's <laughs> he's almost incapable. He, I think I think he really is. And it's like, look, Paul, I know that you wish you were born in Tin Pan Alley in the 1920s. <laughs> and I know you love writing ballads for Shirley Bassey. And I know you want to keep the fans who were moms of Beatle fans back in the day happy as well. But he's just not at the point where he's doing things like the fireman yet to like vent out his weird esoteric side. Yeah. So he's he's trying to put the rock stuff on here. He's trying to put the weird stuff on there and the quote unquote granny stuff on here as well. Whereas band on the run, he's just him going, I've got an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar. And that's about it. I know. But who else is just like, fine, I'll write number once. <laughs> like I can do this anytime I want to. It just is boring to me. Thank you very much. I just would like to do some other weird stuff, please. If I can just shove them onto these albums, if you don't mind. And every critic's like, what the, what? No, but what oh, I'm the asshole for saying he's basically too talented. But people think, ah, oh, Sam, you're just being trite. You're just a fanboy. No, no, he's genuinely too talented to put out a good album. It's true. It's true. I just think that's a different skill set. You know, it's like he I think he really just needed several managers like he needed (laughs) people to package him correctly. And also it's maybe to put the albums together. Like, you know, I don't know whose fault that is, if he didn't trust anybody to do it or if he or if he just thought, well, that's my job. I'll, I'll take care of it. But I wish he had other people. I wish he had other people whose opinion he trusted and he could rely on to make these kinds of decisions. Because I feel like sometimes he's not a good judge of his own work, and he, you know, he he he's so prolific. Like he's got to be the most prolific man in pop music or whatever. Oh yeah, and yeah. he, you know, I feel like he's just. He's like, well, I did a hundred songs and I liked all of them when I wrote them. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure anymore, you know. Um, and I have no idea what people are gonna like. So maybe that's somebody else's job. Can I okay, I have to shut this from my laptop because I have this fucking picture of Al Stewart staring at me soulfully. <laughs> when is he is Al Stewart is he here of the cat? That's the song that I know from him, right? Uh, never heard of him if I'm honest. Uh... Yeah, I never got him. I, he's never a guy I was like, yeah, let me check him out. If you're listening now, Al, I'm I'm really sorry. I really oh, I, seriously, no disrespect, Al. I can't even name one of your songs, except I think Year of the Cat. <laughs> if that's not you, then I apologize. See, I'm thinking now Year of the Cat, but in my head, I'm setting it to Leader of the Pack instead. <laughs> the Year of the Cat. Yeah. Uh, it is It is Al Stewart, Year of the Cat. Yeah, that's what yeah, and I don't even know how it goes. It's just kind of one of those things that sits in the my brain. The year of the cat. That's how it goes, Phoebe. That's how, it, that, <laughs> that's how it goes. Now, back to the album cover. Yeah. I've always loved this cover. 
I think gorgeous. In, in the way that I question whether the music of Venus and Mars is better than the music of Bang on the Run, I'm also now questioning whether I prefer this cover too because it's just it's just so slick in yeah, its execution. It's like you get the name, the tone, the kind of space aged half assed concept. Yeah. And you get some Linda photography that's not centered yeah. on Paul's fucking face. Like, yep. <laughs> I love this photo. Yeah, it's really it's really good stuff. I like it. And I <clears throat> I, I guess I'm slow, <laughs> but I just noticed that the Venus and Mars balls are in the um the centerfold also, which I, I, I never realized they're in the, the sand. So I get that they're supposed to represent Venus and Mars themselves, like the red planet, quite obviously. Yeah. But in my head, Paul was Mars, Linda was Venus, and I thought this was a fact, and no one else has been able to like corroborate with me whatsoever, and I think I've just been going mad, like the horse incident in that Bang on the Run documentary. Maybe I'm getting it confused well, with men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's love and war. I think Venus is love and, and Mars has got a war. Venus has got a war. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. I've got to rethink it. I've got, I've got to rethink all my notes now. I'm going to have to retroactively. That's okay. Actually, <laughs> Diana pointed that out to me. You know, I was like, what's up with Venus and Mars? She's like, that's this love and war, dumbass. Those are the, the gods. I was like, oh, right. It's quite interesting, though, how the two most prominent McCartney albums of the middle period both mostly feature black. As the colour. I thought that was quite interesting. Mm. Well, Paul loves negative space, though. Yeah, the uh, stories about the White Album poster, is mm. it? Well, yeah. that's about negative space, you know? Maybe uh, if Paul spent less time trying to create a negative space in the studio. Uh, Whoa! Uh, <laughs> a negative safe space, yeah. Are you, you seem to be of the opinion that Paul was like the Hellraiser in 68 and then that it was totally normal for Yoko to be in the studio. Is that your opinion? Look, she's not going to sit, again, I'm referring back to an episode of your fucking show again that I listened to today again, but (laughs) it's that quote going, I think we did really good actually. Uh, We didn't say you're not sitting on a ramp. And it's like, yeah, not publicly you're not saying that, Paul, but (laughs) come on. It wouldn't be weird to you if you had a bartender and like he brought his girlfriend to work every day and she just sat there and, and stared I've daggers at you. I've literally worked in environments like that, Phoebe. I've literally worked <laughs> in environments like that. That that wouldn't be that shocking to me, actually. <laughs> Though, okay, like to bring it back to a podcasting setting, I'm doing a podcast with someone and just their partners just sat next to them the entire time, just quietly going. Actually, I think you should move on to wings at the speed of sound now. It's like, no, we, we're we doing yeah. this. Ah, please. We're constantly going like, yeah, I think I think he's right. <laughs> no, Sam, I think I think my partner's right. Oh, oh OK. I and think I didn't ask you. Wouldn't you wouldn't you be like, why are why are you giving me your opinion? Yoko, when you record this podcast inside of a paper bag and a plastic bag, it really fucks with the audio levels. Like, I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> You've got to lower the decibels, Yoko. <laughs> yeah. Al Stewart. Okay, I'm going to start. Stop. I need to close that browser. I'm getting, I'm going to start getting Al Stewart spam now. <laughs> want, want records of Al Stewart? <laughs> Users that clicked on this also liked... 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Boz Skaggs. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, they have uh, C6 Steve and, uh, oh. <laughs> All right, let's consult the, um, let's consult my 1955 newspaper clipping. Let's see what they said. They said, oh, Jesus Christ. They said, Magneto and Titanium Man, Venus and Mars, treat her gently. They're all gimmicky rehashes of stuff we've all heard before. When have you heard Magneto and Titanium Man before? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> what does that even mean? Because, I mean, I mean, Warm and Beautiful. If they said, oh, Warm and Beautiful, that's a rehash of Treat Her Gently. I can see where you're going with that comparison. But Venus and Mars, where did you hear that? My favourite thing about that song is that it's such a non-declarative statement. It's not like Venus and Mars love each other more than anyone else in the world and that they're the best couple ever. They're just all right tonight. I love no, that. No, I like that. I like that because if it's love and war, that means that they're feuding a lot. Like they're hot and, you know, they're hot and cold. I think that's, that's Paul and Linda. So saying they're all right tonight is like, it's all good. In, <laughs> We're cool tonight. Nobody's in, fighting tonight. They're in balance. Yeah, I love it. Exactly, yeah. They brought balance to the force. Right, Phoebe, we've only spoken about two albums, but then again, considering the last time when I had three of you on, we only got through two albums as well. I think we've actually done quite well there. Oh, that's right. Well, actually, technically, I guess that means we're slowing down, but... I'll do the maths here. Thank you. (laughs) Let me me mansplain you something here, Phoebe. No, uh... Whilst I man, whilst I man spread on my chair as well. No, honestly, just as before, we've barely stuck to the format and have just used this as an excuse to talk about Beatles, which is exactly what I intended to do, what I hoped would happen. And thank you for facilitating it for me. It's been a pleasure having you on once again. Thank you. Um, it was a delight. It was a delight to come on. I can't wait to talk to you again. No, um, we definitely have to do one hand clapping. I'm going to put you down for that one. Oh, that'll be amazing. That'll be great. I'm excited. Is it going to be on ACOM or was it going to be on Paul and Nothing? That's, That's the question. entirely up to you. We'll leave that one up in, up in the air for the listeners, you know. All right. Picture a podcaster going on a journey beyond sight and sound. <laughs> Is the bra a better penis support than a traditional jock strap? With penis and bras. Oh, penis and bras. Hmm. You know what? I can safely say with pride that I've never put my penis in a bra. (laughs) I'm not. But you listen to the whole album. (laughs) Nah. I'm just. I'm. I'm not. I'm not Pee Wee Herman. I'm. You know. I'm not. All of my English listeners are like, what the hell is he on about? But uh, that's a very specific reference, a very specific one. Phoebe, where can people find Another Kind of Mind? And where can, oh, oh, and where can people find your new podcast as well? Yes, Another Kind of Mind and One Sweet Dream are both available wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Easy enough, Apple Podcasts. (laughs) Whatever, whatever the other ones are, I'm really bad at my job. I don't know. I'm a bad promoter. There'll be links down below, Phoebe. Don't worry. Yeah. 
Our dear listeners are smart. They know how to find a podcast. They're not smart, but they'll find it. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, the real question is how many how many Beatles songs are left for podcast names? Because Ken Michaels got every little thing and things we said today. You've now got another kind of mind and what's the new one called one, again? Sorry, uh, and and one, one sweet, sweet dream. So. Are we going to get a Honey Don't podcast? Are we going to get... That's amazing. There's a, there's a guy who has a new podcast called um, The Walrus Was Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen that fun. one. Very yeah. yeah. Mm, I'm just trying to think now. Like, what's... what's the, may, may, maybe just like... You know when in uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, that just just a bit when George is going... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Like, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of (laughs) (laughs) another Beatles podcast that uh, also cannot do a lot of whining, (laughs) moaning, bitching and moaning. Yeah, yet another podcast that I can't get Mark Lewison to appear on. Probably because of my association with you, actually, he's probably he's probably seen probably. He's probably, he's, yeah he's probably seen all of the uh, jeans jacket talking on. Oh, I'm not going to associate with that young boy. Oh, he hates me. I can guarantee you he hates me. <laughs> oh, that's so cool to have Mark Lewison have an emotional reaction to your presence alone. That's... Yeah, I mean, you know, to be clear, I have no proof of that whatsoever. I've had no interaction with him, you know. You I, don't, I don't know anything. Phoebe, another kind of mind, assuming. five shots, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> assuming he's like, fuck you. I hate that bitch. <laughs> Which is fine. Which is fine with me. I'd be more than happy to hear Mark Lewis and say, fuck that bitch. Because that would just, that seems so out of his realm house for me. That be if he, if, Honestly, if he said that, I would work it into the opening credits. That would be the theme music for Acom. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan podcast every night. Yeah, and then it's just him going, fuck that bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I've given him that voice. I've seen him live. It doesn't make any it. sense. I love it. No, I, I I think that's fitting. No, but I mean, my Denny Lane impression is not based on Denny Lane's voice. It's based on random drunks in Birmingham that I've heard on the bus. You know, just, oh, you're right, lad. Yeah, you're down. Like, that's not <laughs> like, you know. It's not that far. It's not that far. Wait, so where are you exactly? So I Not live, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, my, my, uh, my exact coordinates. Are, uh, um, so <laughs> I come from Aldridge, which is about a 20-minute drive from Birmingham Centre. Uh, so okay. me and Denny Lane would have grown up in the same same sort of area, really, along with Noddy Holder from Slade. <laughs> I was going to call myself Sailor Sam from Birmingham, but, yeah, it was it's never going to catch on. No, no, because, like... You know when like Lady Gaga calls her calls her, f- her fans like her little monsters and stuff. I'm like I can't create cringe like that. I just I just can't do it. Yeah, there's not a um, Paul McCartney doesn't have a name for for his. It would be awful. Whatever whatever we could think of, it would be terrible. <laughs> I feel like the Macites or something stupid. Ma- yeah, the Malachites, but it's Maca. Uh... Uh, the macaroons or something. Macaroons, yeah. <laughs> the macarenas. Uh, <laughs> to call Paul the Big Mac. Nice. Yeah. Like, Betty likes that name too. And, oh, oh, yeah. You know, because all, all the vegan burgers that, that uh, McDonald's put out. Yeah. 
God, he, he looked a bit like Ronald McDonald in that clown makeup as well. It, it's all linked, folks. It's all fucking linked. Ooh, he's scary, too. Pennywise, you cried, and then you lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I've got, folks. And, and on that note, and, and on that hilarious punchline, we're going to bring things to a close here. You've okay, been listening yeah, to yeah. Uh, another episode of Paul or Nothing. I've had the wonderful pleasure of speaking with Phoebe from the Another Kind of Mind podcast. The pleasure is all mine, I am sure. Phoebe, thank you for helping me talk about Band on the Run and Venus and Mars. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on, Sam. It's been my pleasure and honour. Can't wait to talk about one hand clapping with you. Maybe we'll find out what that sound is. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Okay, from the two on. Until yeah, next yeah. time. Doing it now, folks. Doing it right now. Look. <laughs> right. Peace That's... and love, everyone. I'm sure Denny Lane's already been playing us out. Harry, Harry, Krishna. No more autographs. Take care. Well, I'm going to be your leader.